I'm going to read you a verse out of Ephesians chapter number 3 as we get started. Let me go to it a little bit later before we get to Matthew 11 and Mark chapter number 6. I was telling somebody after church this morning that that song is especially special to me. Not so much for the song, although uh, I think it's a beautiful song, is because little Celeste, when she was little, just a little girl, she, she was always so frightful about standing up before people and singing. Dad, are we, we going to have to sing? And she didn't want to do it. And, and I just feel like now we're getting an opportunity to uh, watch as God's worked in her heart. And uh, she's able to blossom a little bit with singing. Ephesians chapter number 3, uh, look at verse number 20, if you will. If you're not there, that's all right. I'm going to sure read the verse for you. Now unto him that is able to do, exceeding abundantly above all, that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world, without end. Amen. Abundantly there simply means this, super abundant. <laughs> A lot of abundance. Beyond measure, if you will. Preeminence exceeding abundantly above or more abundantly. Advantage very highly or uh, beyond measure, vehemently, superabundant, excessive in quantity, more than sufficient, overabundant. So I want to have a conversation with you tonight about faith, and I hope this will be helpful for you as we go to Matthew 11 here in just a moment. Father, help us as we look to uh, these passages of Scripture. I pray that you would strengthen us and guide us and direct us. And help us to see your ability that you desire to do through us. Lead, guide, and direct, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Matthew chapter number 11, look with me please at verse number 20. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works, notice that, if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Now, obviously, the same works have not been done the same way in every place. But the question here is, what if they were? 
I mean, we get some sort of a glimpse in the scriptures which kind of indicate that things would have or could have been very different had works been done in those places that had been done in other places. And so God gives us the understanding that his works are not necessarily equal in every place. Uh, God has certainly uh, his sovereignty and he can do things as he pleases. We understand that. But have you ever thought in terms, now listen, of what didn't happen? Have you ever thought in terms of what could have happened? I mean, we know that one play in a, in a, in a game can kind of change the momentum of a game. We understand that. And maybe it's an event that takes place in a person's life where it, it changes the course of a person's life. Maybe an accident happens that alters the outcome of a person's life. A decision that leads a person off course or on a different course of change that takes place in their life. If someone had done something uh, that was not done. If someone had done something differently than what they did, what would have happened? How different would their life have been? Uh, look at Mark chapter number six with me. Mark chapter number six. Now, obviously, we have to accept things that have happened. We can't change things from our past. We can't undo things that have happened, and we surely cannot know what would have happened differently had we done something different. And so we have to be mindful of that. But I want to uh, show you some things tonight that might be helpful for us, that might encourage us or challenge us to do differently than we are doing. And that's why I wanted to think in these particular terms. What, what can we change if we start to do things differently? What if we begin to act or to live by faith there are many things that will change or could improve or be made better if we take advantage of the opportunities that the Lord gives to us each and every day. So let's have a conversation maybe here that might help us about this, especially with the thought in mind that if we live by faith or if we live more by faith, what will God do in and through our lives? I want you to notice this passage with me. Uh, one that you may be familiar with, Mark chapter number six and uh, verse number one. And he went out from thence and he came into his own country, speaking of Jesus, going, going home, if you will, and his disciples follow him. And so he's taken his disciples to his hometown. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us, don't tell the Catholics, but Jesus had brothers and sisters. And they, notice, and they were offended at him. 
But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching, teaching. Matthew 13 says it this way in verse number 58. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. He did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now, that statement all by itself is so powerful and incriminating, telling, and full of wonder and possibility as you and I consider the gap between what God wants to do and what he can do versus what people allow him to do. It's different. And he expresses it there in in that verse. Obviously, they're not the same. They don't match. God's ability or his desire to do so much more amongst mankind, and yet there's a resistance from man, which is uh, activated or maybe triggered or driven by unbelief, by sinfulness, by doubt, by faithlessness, in such a detrimental uh, and deterrent way Uh, that if only man would believe and obey God, how much different would their lives be? How much different would people's lives be if they just let God do what God wants to do in their life? God showed up, and they didn't want him. They were offended at him. They were astonished to hear him teach, and they were astonished by his ability to do the miracles. They didn't know that, Jesus. His ability to do such things was a curious mystery to these people that had grown up around Jesus. They didn't understand it. They watched him grow up, but they saw him as just a fairly normal child in their midst. And it didn't seem uh, that he ran around as some kind of a, a prodigy or a wonder child possessing the ability to heal all the puppy dogs in town whenever they died. He didn't go around making everybody's pets come back to life. Jesus did not uh, show him that part of himself while he was there. He must have been very low-key so as not to draw attention to himself in those early days, that his greatness was hidden, and it was out of sight from those people when he was young, except for the time when he was 12 and he came out in the temple and he taught people and they understood there was something maybe different about his life. That's the only reference we have from that period or point in time in his life. And yet here, one day, he comes home and he has the ability to teach and to do miracles. His mightiness was before them and they were astonished. They're amazed. They, they, they were stricken by that. They'd never seen this child named Jesus, this normal child named Jesus, do these things. Isn't this the carpenter's son? We didn't know him that way. But notice the conclusion, verse number six, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. Unbelief or disbelief was very limiting to the, the work of God. 
And we see that here. The Bible teaches us in Hebrews chapter 11 that without faith it's impossible to please God. He does his work among the faithful. And if there's not faith, what work does he do? Suggestion here is that his ability may go to waste if people do not exhibit faith. Uh, We know in Luke chapter 7, and I won't take time to turn there, but Jesus went to rescue or heal a servant at the request of his boss. That, that the boss's faith, the centurion's faith, invited Jesus to that place. Without the demonstration of the centurion's faith, Jesus would not have helped him as he helped him. This is, this is a signal to us. It's teaching us something. Let me say it this way again, that the sick would have remained sick had it not been for the faith of his boss, of the centurion, who called upon Jesus to help. He could not do the work here in the hometown because they were offended. Scandalized, that's what that word means. Entrapped, if you will. They're enticed in their, their, their sin and, and their thinking of Jesus. And their, their offense came out of their, uh, their cultural mindset. They had a negative view of Jesus. They had a negative attitude toward his visit. And they had an inability and an unwillingness to receive him and his work in that place. And therefore they could, uh, they, they did not see him do the work that he could have done had they believed. It's attached to their unbelief or their disbelief about what his abilities were. They acted as if they had no use for his services. Can you imagine that? That Jesus has these wonderful miracle abilities and they had no use of that. They didn't want it because they were offended by him. The the Bible says in verse number five that few, just a few. That that statement's always stood out to me. When you consider the amazing ability of Jesus, the work that he's done, the outstanding and tremendous ability that he had demonstrated in many different places, including raising people from the dead, curing leprosy. It's not overstated that there in his hometown, he could not do what he was capable of doing because they lacked faith. What a travesty. What a tragedy to let such power go to waste. But because they were offended, instead of welcoming his ability, they rejected it. And so he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And verse number six says, he went. He left. He didn't stay there where they didn't want him. And and here's the thing now, watch this. No one tried to stop him. No one tried to prevent him from leaving. There are other places that didn't want him. Certainly, as we looked at Matthew in chapter number 11 there, we looked at some places that didn't want him. Jesus had, or what could be called a preemptive conversation with his disciples, and he let them know that he uh, was going to send them to preach the kingdom of God. And to heal folk, look at uh, Luke chapter number 10. It's a preemptive conversation. He's trying to prepare them. And one of the things that Jesus tries to prepare them for was people not wanting their ability. I'm going to send you forth to do miracles 
in these different places, but I want you to know this. They will not want you everywhere you go. They will not be interested. What an amazing thing that you and I have the gospel. You and I have the, sa- have, have the gospel that saves people. And, and we can tell people how they can know for sure that when they die, they could go to heaven. We have that knowledge. We have that with us. And yet, how many times have you ever been rejected as you've tried to present the gospel to somebody? You ever thought to yourself, what, you mean you don't want Jesus, you don't want heaven? You don't want to be saved from your sin? Look at verse number one. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. Therefore, he said, uh, said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Look at verse number nine. He's going to warn them a little bit. He said, heal the, and heal the sick that are therein and say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. He's given them these miracle powers. And notice what he says. As they've gone, they're going to go into these places with their miracle power. Notice verse 10. But into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same, and say, even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. He said, guess what? He said, you're going to go to some places and and they're not going to want you. They're not going to be interested. He let them know that they were not going to be well received everywhere they go. Their message and their heavenly ability... Though it was powerful and life-changing, and yet not everybody's going to want it. Just so you know, I want you to be prepared, gentlemen, for some rejection. There'll be placed, uh, there will be places that you go that will not want you, will not be interested. Don't we know that that's true? He said, you're going to have to dust your feet off at those places. He's trying to prepare them. Trying to help them understand that their expectation shouldn't be that everybody's going to want them. Well, Jesus certainly knew something about that, didn't he? They crucified him. Now, what does this tell us and how does it help us? In order to look at what did not happen in those cities which rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, you should also study cities where Jesus went and he did many, many miracles And they did want him. To learn what didn't happen in a city, we study what did happen as the power of God was unleashed in a particular place. What didn't happen? As we study this subject, please consider how many lost opportunities there may have been in your life. If you'd have done some things differently than what you did, how different would your life be? When you and I if you will, we do not engage or involve ourselves with the Holy Spirit of God and what he's trying to do in and through our lives in this world that is around us. What are we missing out on that God wants to do? That should be a question for us. 
Because the very same Holy Spirit, which is being used in other places, may not be used in our life because we don't make ourselves available to Him by faith so that the works of God can take place through our life. We surely can't blame God, can we? And so the faith that a man has, if you will, to invite God into his life and let God work in his life, certainly, certainly you and I should consider that. And that's why there's stories in the Bible, just like there was with regards to Jonah. Jonah, because of his own limited thinking, became a stumbling block to himself as God wanted to do something mighty in and through his life. And rather than following God, he took a very dangerous course to go outside of the will of God. And it got him in trouble with God. He didn't want God to work in his life. He didn't allow God to work in his life. And so he had to go through a process of revival so that God could get him back on course. And in this particular case, if you will, uh, there were were 120,000 people that we see that God ended up saving at Nineveh who repented of their sins and they believed on God. And so we see the results of what would not have happened if God had let Jonah get away with it. If God had just let him go his own way and God had not emphasized a revival in his life, causing him to go into the belly of a whale and have a process of reviving, if you will, so that people in Nineveh could be saved. And I'd just say this tonight, if you were one of those 120,000 people in in Nineveh, you'd be glad that God did. (laughs) You'd be glad. If you were one of the people that was on the receiving end of the salvation of God, you'd be glad that he made Jonah do right. Come on now. Well, maybe God needs to make us do right. God knew their faith was waiting for him. Their faith caused God to override Jonah's rebellion. What a thing. What a thing. A contributing factor is it is faith that pleases God. And then the faith of 120,000 people. Boy, what strong motivation to make God, uh, to have God make Jonah do right. So let's consider a conversation. Many times we talk about what happened for a little while. Let's talk about what didn't happen because of what happened. Oftentimes as believers, we do not see or discern, if you will, the why or the what, the what could have happened if we would have obeyed God as we should have. Most believers don't consider what would have happened if they would have obeyed God. Physical eyes look first and foremost to the temporal things, and that's what we become engaged in. They tend to, or they prone to, if you will, involve themselves in the temporal things of this life, whereas the spiritual eyes are directed toward the spiritual realm with a consideration about the real blessings, the true blessings that are only found in doing doing everything that God wants us to do. Now, it's, it's not what happened, it's what didn't happen in our life. And that's what I want you to consider tonight. It's what didn't happen because of what happened, because we went maybe another way. What happened? What was prevented or perverted that could have happened in people's lives if we would have obeyed God as we should have? That's what we need to consider tonight. What would God have us to do? 
And the only way to consider it is to consider the ability and the power that God Almighty has as you and I yield ourselves to the great works of God at all times. God, what do you want to do today? If I obey you, God, what do you want to do in my life? I don't want to wonder what could have happened. I want to do all that God tells me to do. I want to obey exactly what God has said. I don't want to prevent God or, or, or stop God from doing the works that he's capable of doing because I tell him no. Too many people tell God no. What if God's allowed to do as he pleases wherever? Jesus desired to work in his own hometown, but he didn't do work there that he could have done because of their unbelief. He tells us very clearly that was the problem. What about when we have unbelief? What about when we don't live by faith? What about when God's prompting you to do something and and you just say, you know what, I don't have time for that. I'm mindful again of your grandchildren visiting today, Aida. And I think about God prompting you with your grandchildren. I've heard you talk about it before. What if she just says it's an extra labor for me, it's a trouble for me to go and get them, and, and, and it's going to prevent me from doing other things maybe that I would like to do. But she, she says, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And how does God then use that? What could have happened if the Spirit of God is allowed to work Everywhere that he desires to work, there's going to be more than just a few. What a, what a travesty to hear something like that. Well, there's just a few. I, I thought about it with regards to what uh, the life-changing events that took place in Peter and his fellow fishermen's life as the Lord says to them to launch out into the deep and let down their nets for a drought. And they say what? At first they say this. They said, now we've already been out there. We didn't catch anything. We've come back in. We're washing our nets. We're not going back out again. Now, obviously, that didn't happen. But what if Jesus had said, you know what? They're not interested. I'm going to go find some fishermen that are interested. Come on now. Obviously, that didn't happen. But what would have happened? How different would their life have been if they had not gone back out as he asked them to go back out? Nevertheless, at thy word, we'll go back out again. And when they did, they only took a, they didn't take all the nets. Come on now. And because they didn't take all the nets, they still caught so much they couldn't bring it back to shore, right? They had to call for their friends, come over and help us. James and John had to come help. Come on now. What if they'd taken all the nets? Maybe when God tells us to take the nets, we should take all the nets. Come on now. Well, you know, I'll just take a net. Let's just see if this God thing works out. Let's just see if God knows what he's doing. Come on now. The limitation and restriction is determined by belief or unbelief, whereas the abundance is available and caught is determined by those who choose to believe. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to quit cleaning my nets. If I have to clean them again, I'll clean them again. But I'm taking them out because I want to see the results. Boy, it could be overwhelming if we just obey God. If that's the question, the answer is what could have happened? 
What didn't happen is determined by you. What didn't happen is determined by you. What could have happened is determined by God. When you believe in accordance with what he's asked you to believe. One net or two nets? How many do you want? When we believe and we obey as God tells us to, we drop our nets when and where he tells us to, what happens? Revival? Increased missions? I even thought about it with this conference this last year is, you know, there was a point in time, and Corey Mears talked about it when I thought, "Mm, maybe I shouldn't do the conference this year. And now that I'm looking back at it, I think, Brother Tim, what would we have missed out on? If we didn't live by faith, you say there's an expense to doing that. Yes. But there's also a benefit to it. And the benefits are eternal. The meeting I just got back from from Colorado, he asked me, and I'm thinking, when he first asked me, I'm thinking, it's right after our conference, and I don't know if it's a good time to go. But I want to tell you, the, the, the meeting was phenomenal. One of the best meetings I've been in. Satan knows about our thinking, and he tries to work against us. But we can't, we can't attribute all of it to him. Some of it's just simply because we don't obey God. Whose responsibility is it? Now, are you ready for the consideration that cannot be determined? Look with me, please, at Genesis in chapter 22. One last passage of Scripture I want to take you to. I'm going to skip over uh, one of these passages, but I want to take you to Genesis 22. Are you ready for the consideration that can't be determined? The one that can't be known? Are you ready for the thought that can't be investigated or, or measured? Here it goes. Ready? How much good has been lost or how much good was never found because God's people did not do things the way God would have had them to do them. Now, we can't measure that tonight. But whether it's fear or discouragement or disobedience or doubt, whatever it is, what did we stop? what, What could have happened? Unclaimed blessings... You can write it down for yourself, Deuteronomy 30, verse number 15 through 21. He says, if you do it my way, there's blessings. If you don't do it my way, there's cursings. That's pretty plain. So if we do things God's way, we can accept blessings. But if we don't, there's cursings. How much cursing has there been that there didn't have to be? Needless cursing. How many unclaimed blessings are out there because, because God's people did not simply take a hold of everything that God had for them? But if you could measure it, it would be insurmountable. It would be extremely outlandish to try to figure or calculate when you're talking about Almighty God. We're talking about God's ability to do. You, you can't measure that. Going back to the first family, the loss is outrageous. 
unknown, it's unnumbered. Now, this should open us up to the conversation of what can happen. When, if, as, we let God do in and through our lives that which he desires to do, which he plans to do. Now, unto him that is able to do, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. That's his ability. Maybe when we pray, I've thought about it before, uh, Uriah, maybe when we pray, we should pray something like this. Lord, I don't want to limit you in my prayers, but just do exceedingly abundantly above all that you, <laughs> that you can do. Don't limit him by asking for a little bit when God can do a whole lot more. What does God want to do? Well, he can do the superabundant. Are you letting him do the superabundant in and through your life, or are you holding it back? God desires to do more. Why don't we let him? Why don't we let God show up on the job site? And he brings the supply. He brings the resources. He brings the tools to do the job. Jonathan says, the Lord can say by many or by a few. He's not limited. Let's get God fighting for us. Have you got God fighting for you? Maybe, maybe if we have the opportunity to go and gather all of the pots that we possibly can do, let's, let's go gather more. Don't you wish he'd had the ability to call up, you know, call Amazon and say, hey, listen, I need a lot of pots. Come on now. There's a pouring out of God's oil, and I need a whole lot of pots. Come on now. How much more? How are we limiting him? Consider things tonight that did not happen because we did not live biblically or by faith. We didn't let the Holy Spirit guide our life as we should have. One last passage. Look at chapter 22. You know this passage for the uh, stopping Abraham from slaying or killing his own son, sacrificing his own son. I want you to notice what the angel goes on to say because the angel calls a second time notice when the angel called the first time out of heaven is verse number 11 and he told him to lay not his hand upon the lad but notice the second time that the angel called verse number 15 and the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said by myself have I sworn saith the Lord for Because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate, the gate of his enemies." And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Did you see it? I want you to take that little phrase with you tonight. Verse 16. For because thou hast done this thing. There will be things 
that God will ask you to do, that when you do what God asks you to do, when you obey Him, there's going to be things that God can and will do that He cannot do and will not do if you don't obey Him. There's, there's, there's an ability that God has that's insurmountable. His power is beyond measure. You can't limit it. He can do it seated abundantly above all that you ask or think. So why limit him? You can have superabundance in your life. It's available to you by faith. That without faith, don't expect her a superabundance. But when you live by faith, God says, hey, 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 for because thou hast done this thing. Just think about that tonight. That if God says that to you, what, what thing is God waiting on you to do? What is it? And how will these results change your life that's available? Just, just think about that, that phrase. For because thou hast done this thing, I was waiting on you to do this thing, how different will your life be? Do you want to know? Do you care to know? Stand with me if you will.